you know, it's hard to grow up in America as an Asian woman and not encounter some Caucasian, usually Caucasian man, who has this sort of unusual attraction for Asian women. There's terms for it, like yellow fever, rice king, or Asia files. It rhymes with pedophile for a certain reason. In my life, I've been hit on by so many men who would sort of stare at a little bit too long. Um, then they kind of come up and try to speak to you in an Asian language that you don't speak. <laughs> I was really tired of being objectified. And I thought, oh, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea to just turn the tables and point the camera in their direction? I decided to make the documentary Seeking Asian Female. So I went onto Craigslist and websites like asiafriendfinder.com, which they specialize in introducing Western men to Asian women. Um, and I started asking the men who post ads there if they would talk to me for my film. I just wanted to understand why. It's their hair. It's the long black hair that's really eye-catching. It's the whole mysterious kind of look. I think they give more consideration to how the man feels than sometimes themselves. Yeah, they are kind of subtle and kind of quiet. But Stephen in particular had this kind of um, unfiltered quality about him and would say things like, you know, I was probably originally looking for a slave when I first started. I mean, I'm quoting him. And he would kind of laugh about that. Idyllic uh, servant girl who would cook these beautiful meals. And think, Gee, would it be like that? No. Of course, as an individual, I felt <laughs> a little bit disturbed. But as a filmmaker, he was quite fascinating. So then I started filming him. She looks so Chinese. What does that mean? You can't look any more Chinese than her. <laughs> what does that mean, she looks so Chinese? You look very Chinese, too. He really wasn't sort of marriage material for any woman. He didn't have a lot of money. He didn't own a house. He didn't even own a car. Yet he had such an extreme, undying commitment to find an Asian woman. I thought he was just sort of living in a fantasy. He showed me all of these files that he kept, mail order catalogs. There were just pictures of hundreds of young Asian women. These are different girls that I've written to. They're all just so beautiful. He asked every single woman who he met, who he got to a first date with, if they would marry him. You know, I've been watching him search for, you know, many years, and I was cutting his storyline that he was never going to find anyone. And then I got this call from him, and he said, would you like to film my wedding? I found somebody in China who's going to marry me. I couldn't believe it. I almost felt sorry for Stephen. These women that he was, he was dating online, they knew that he was sort of this prey that they could take advantage of. He would just send them money. So by the time he met Sandy, I had this really bad feeling that this was just going to get really ugly. So the first time I met Sandy was when she walked off the plane at San Francisco International Airport and landed in America for the first time. She seemed really sweet. She seemed really innocent. I was thinking, how is this possible? She's 30, he's 60. And then I find out she doesn't actually speak English, and Stephen didn't speak any Chinese. All of a sudden I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this poor young woman, she has no idea what's happening and I felt this overwhelming need to sort of protect her.
The first thing that Sandy did was that she took over the kitchen. And she just started scrubbing and cleaning. He loved it, obviously. He was in, in heaven. You know, she would cook these elaborate Chinese meals for him. She told Stephen, I knew you weren't rich, but I didn't know you were poor. <laughs> People say, you, your husband have a house? Have a car? No, no house, no car, no money. <laughs> Sandy came from Huangshan in Anhui province. Anhui province is one of the poorest regions in China, and she grew up as a tea farmer. Then she migrated thousands of miles to Shenzhen, China. She found her way out of the factory floor and eventually became the executive secretary at a fashion company. Everybody says it doesn't make sense. You should try to find a younger guy. And why would you choose him? I felt like we had so many similar interests and hobbies. And he's just so special. He's really not like anyone else. In China, it's not like I could ever marry someone rich. I've never wanted to marry for money. I think you marry the same kind of person that you are. It's better to be realistic, right? Sometimes I'll come home and... Uh... She'll be hiding behind the, the refrigerator or something. One time she was hiding in, in the closet and, and she lets me look around. She'll be in there smiling. It's like funny. It's funny. The day is full of little things like that. It's easy to share. Even though Sandy seemed like she really liked Stephen, who could really tell? And I was sitting there thinking, you know, is this really just an act? And then I got a call and it was Stephen saying, you have to help me. We've had a major misunderstanding. And so I show up at their apartment. Sandy had found all these pictures that Stephen had collected of all the Asian women from before. And she just went ballistic. In China, if you break up with someone, you can't still be friends. She asked him to buy all these things for her. Chinese people can't casually accept precious gifts from other people. Stupid. Oh my gosh, these are genuine feelings that she has for him. Sandy was really hurt. So I'm hearing them fight, and they're not communicating. It was really hard to watch them struggle. Uh, <laughs> so I began translating. Okay, Stephen, why is it that you still have pictures of Molly? It took a while to fade away, but I'm way over it. Let me let me translate. Stephen said that's what you say, but how do we know that your heart feels that way for real? I can only prove my love day by day. Oh my gosh, I can't translate that. At the end of the scene, I realized, wait a minute, they've kind of made up. And how much of that was because I was translating? This is not what you're supposed to do as a documentary filmmaker. You're supposed to be in a, behind the camera and not influence your subject. The objectivity had gone completely out the window. I didn't want to be in this documentary. It was supposed to be about them. But I was becoming a character in the story. We really started to insert my backstory into the film. That, um, yes, full disclosure, I'm actually married to a white guy. <laughs> The irony, of course, is that, you know, when I walked down the street with my husband, I'm sure other people were thinking the same thing about me. Like, oh, she's such a sellout. 
When Sandy arrived in America, she came in on the K-1 fiancé visa, and the way that works is you have 90 days to decide whether or not the person that you were engaged to is the person that you really want to marry. And if you don't marry that person, you have to go home. Eventually, they asked me to translate more and more. As I was translating them, I really started not just translating, but realized that I was kind of mediating and kind of becoming their marriage counselor. It got pretty crazy. I get these late-night phone calls from them. Anytime they had a conflict, they would call me. As they really got to know each other, the reality hit. Her real-life personality came out, and she was no longer this sort of figment of his imagination or this kind of, you know, ideal woman. She demanded that he step up to the plate and clean the house as well. What? Speaking English. We got to do that first before everything else? No, only this. Clean house first. This is how I'm supposed to deal with it? You dump it in here? I'm sorry. That's how you dump it. That's how you give it to me. This is my life and the man I chose. It's too late to go home now. I'll lose face. If I go home, I won't. It's impossible. You see, in China, everyone will talk behind my back. I won't be able to lift my head in public. So now I can only move forward. I can't look back. I mean, it's really clear what you're getting out of this relationship, I think. Uh, well, uh, what do you think she gets out of it? Uh, a chance at a new, new life, a new world. Oh, God. So right when Sandy was really having some doubts about getting married, Stephen turned to me and he just came out and thanked me. He said, if it hadn't been for you, Sandy would have gone back to China by now. She told him that. I absolutely question whether I had done the right thing at that moment. Would she not perhaps be better off if she'd stayed in China or just went home? You know, Shenzhen is like this thriving metropolis and she'd be living in her own culture where she could have a home, I mean, have friends and have her life. This had really gone too far. The success or failure of their relationship should not be reliant on me. You've done it. Wonderful, miraculous job, even today. But you're not God. You're just a director. Marriage should not be entered into lightly, but with certainty, mutual respect, and a sense of reverence that does not preclude humor or joy. Here they are about to get married, and there's all these unanswered questions. Should it, you know, is it the right thing? Should she really go through with it? And as I was filming them, I couldn't help wonder. They had this idea in their mind that they really wanted to get married, no matter what, no matter how absurd it was, no matter how difficult it might be. But at the same time, did I really have a part to play in them getting married? My first instinct was just to pick her up and take her back to China. But, you know, that, that's also kind of making an assumption that I know the right thing for her. It's so easy to go to this place where Sandy was a victim, but that doesn't give her enough credit. She was somebody who knew how to take care of herself and knew exactly what was the right thing for her. With this ring, as you wed, and offer as a symbol of our true love. 
I now pronounce you husband and wife. I watched Stephen progress. I watched him clean up his act, you know, slowly. He worked really hard to try to win the heart of this young Chinese woman. At, at first, I went into this search thinking uh, the traditional stereotype of getting someone who, you know, to, to stay home, do the housework, clean me, you know, take care of me, that kind of thing. But that's, that's not very uh, growth-oriented. Oh, oh my God. Everything looks good, clean, oh, thank you. <laughs> That's what I like. Oh, God. And I totally have a soft spot for Stephen now. Is it condoning yellow fever? Um, my whole relationship to yellow fever changed in the making of the film. It still makes me uncomfortable when I see an older Western man with a really young Asian woman. But at the same time now, I, I see those two people as individuals with their own story. I went into thinking that if I did this film, maybe I might cure him of his yellow fever. And yet, Steven is still an Asiaphile. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Try to figure that one out. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm friends with him and he's an Asiaphile. Big thanks to the woman behind the film, Debbie Lum. Seeking Asian female. This film is playing in selected cities nationwide. I know you want to see it. Seeking Asian female. We're going to have a link on our website so you can ask them to come to your town at snapjudgment.org. Much love, of course, to Stephen and Sandy for letting us into their lives. That piece was produced by Stephanie Fu. Stephanie Fu.